Good afternoon. Welcome to Seize the Day with Jim and Winston. We're hey, here. Jim. The... Hey, Winston. How are you? Good, good. It's great to hear your voice again, Jim. Missed this for yes. a little while, eh? It's great. We, you know, like everybody does in summertime, there's a little hiatus to certain things in life. And uh, <laughs> so here's our summer edition of Seize the Day for 2018. Definitely, definitely. I'm excited. We've got lots, lots to catch up our listeners to. And uh, lots of life events have been happening with you as well. And uh, happy birthday to you, Jim, as well. Thank you, Winston. It's been a little while, but it's always good to hear. Yeah, yeah. We're going to have an exciting episode for the listeners today. Um, there's lots been going on with the both of us, and uh, Jim has entered a happy retirement, but I think he's as busy as ever. <laughs> <laughs> oh, for sure, yeah. There's going to be a little bit of uh, work now and again, but uh, there's plenty of work around the home right now, which has been a lot of fun. It's stepping away from a computer keyboard into a tool belt. So uh, I've been really enjoying that. Yeah, no, that sounds exciting. We've got to talk about that one. And then we're going to talk a little bit about uh, a couple topics we got on the go today. Like um, Jim and I were just doing some pre-talk before we started this and talking about the importance of having contingency plans and, you know, having plans in general. And then um, a couple ideas, maybe like uh, 30 things you knew, wish you knew when you were 30 instead of 60, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, things I wish I knew when I was 30. <laughs> yeah, and you know, just we'll just kind of roll with it and see where that takes us. You know, right now I'm in the process of a, a computer restore, so that just shows the importance of having a backup and a time machine backup there, Jim. <laughs> yeah, that's for sure. Yeah. It's, uh, you, and you, you, you can't um, spend your whole life backing everything up. No, to, you know, sometimes you, you just got to live an experience, and if you lose something, you lose something, you just got to move on. Yeah, it, it, it reminds me of a time, you know, when I worked out at uh, um, a pulp mill out at Skookumchuck, BC, which is just north of Cranbrook by about a uh, 45-minute drive. Oh, yeah. And it, it was a shutdown, and it was basically just right around Labor Day. So we got to work, and uh, we climbed the the highest structure within the Rocky Mountain Trench, which is the stack on the recovery boiler at this pulp mill. Oh, yeah. Just to go up there and have a look around. You know, we took turns, guys on the crew that night. There wasn't much happening in the shutdown yet at that time. So there wasn't a huge work demand to be off doing anything at the moment. So we, there was about four or five of us that climbed the stack. And I, I snuck a camera up to the top of the stack and I took like a almost a 360 panorama view. This is before you had that panel thing with a cell phone or anything, you know, it was a 35 millimeter camera. Mm. And I got the pictures, I got the pictures developed and I pieced them all together and I thought, wow, this is really cool. And I went down, I showed a professional photographer at a camera shop and he, you know, he started critiquing the things because there's an air, airplane beacon on that, right? Oh, right. So, so, you know, I didn't time the pictures. I didn't set them up all at the same elevation. So the print, pictures kind of went up and down and up and down. And, and some of them had the backlight from this airplane beacon on it that, that kind of made things a little bit funny in the picture or whatever. And he says to me, well, the next time you get a chance to go up there and take those pictures, these are the things I would recommend you do. I said, there's probably never going to be an exit. That's probably the only time I'm ever going to be up there. <laughs> but you know, but you never know when you're in a situation and you want to take a panoramic set of pictures. That yes, it should be on a tripod, so it's all at the same elevation, and you know, be 
consider what your backlighting is and all those things. So those are all good things to learn, right? <laughs> the opportunity to do that one again wasn't ever going to happen at that time of year with that time of light and all those clear, you know, clear skies with the Rocky Mountains in the backdrop and all that stuff. Right, right. Yeah, I know. Like life throws you these uh, opportunities, and they may be the once in a lifetime ones. You just have to uh, kind of seize the day when it happens and uh, go for it. You know. Precisely. Yeah, I mean, it, there's no uh, rhyme or reason about how these opportunities pop in front of you, but um, I agree. I, you know, lately, although I like to take photos myself, I'm trying to be um, more experiential, and so when I when I encounter an event where you know, like let's say you're going to a concert and it's a really good show. You have options there. I mean, uh, a lot of places they'll still let you take video and and photos these days. But then I find that somehow that that kind of interrupts the experience sometimes. You know, but just, yeah, you're 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 not taking in what you're there to take in. You're you're doing something different. It, it, it's it's not unlike seeing people at events, concerts, or sporting events or whatever, and they're texting their friends about what they're doing when the game or the concert is going on in front of them that they're not fully engrossed in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it, it just seems to you miss out on living in the process. You know, like you've recorded it uh, digitally, but you haven't experienced the emotional connection with the actual event, right? Yeah, we, we had the pleasure May 14th of uh, attending uh, an Eagles concert in Calgary. Oh, wow. And, um, it, you know, uh, it was in a, it was actually in a corporate box. My brother-in-law had won four tickets through his business, the, the company he works for, um, through a raffle. And uh, so, you know, there is kind of, anytime these events happen, there's kind of like a corporate leader within the box when everybody comes and he asked everybody, you know, to refrain from doing any video or or, uh, or photos, right? Mm-hmm. So we respected that, whereas not everybody within that box did that. So, mm. and, and the lady sitting beside me was busy, you know, the show was just starting and she was busy texting this person and that person and I leaned over to her and I said, uh, Charlotte, because um, we'd been introduced, they said, Charlotte, I hope you don't mind this comment, but I really don't want to see the backlight of your screen all evening. <laughs> yeah, I hear you. Oh, and she said, I didn't even think of that, thank you for telling me. <laughs> oh, well, that was nice of her. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, she's pretty pretty good about that. Like sometimes you don't realize the impact that your actions have on other people, and it's like you, sometimes you don't want to say anything, but then you also want to uh, enjoy the experience as well. Because oh, I'll tell you another experience. I was over in um, in Florida with the daughter um, at Disney World and waited about an hour hour and a half to go on this um, Frozen ride. And the the ride's kind of interesting. You you sit on a boat, Jim. And uh, it takes you through this whole experience, and you're on a on this simulated well, you're on this boat type uh, canoe thing that's on a track, and it pulls you through to give you that full experience as if you're in the movie Frozen, right? Yeah. And um, midway through the sh- midway through the ride, this woman takes out her Samsung phone and starts recording the whole thing, which I didn't mind, but the fact is that. She was recording it, and automatically, you know, on dim lighting, the 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 flash of the light stays on, right? Yeah, so, so it, it impairs what the actual ride is meant to be. Yeah, so she had this this camera up the whole time. So the the flash was so bright, it was like having a flashlight in the whole thing. Now you could see, you know, the background stuff. You could see all the track. You could see all the animation stuff, the wires and stuff. So it, it took away from the ambience of the actual ride. 
And so yeah, like, yeah. it's like seeing the puppet show with all the strings rather than seeing the puppets. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> exactly. And so it took away from the experience. And I wasn't about to line up for another hour and a half to do this over again because this woman ruined it for me, right? Yes. And I just thought, like, how rude could that be? I mean, not only did she, like, just turn it on to take a picture. She, she had it on the whole ride. You know? Yeah, that's, that's a, a, nar- a, to me, that's a narcissistic action. It is. It's like, I only care about me. I don't care about anyone else. And she was too far away from me to reach her because she was way in the front of the thing. But that was even worse because she's like the light beacon in the front of the Titanic and I'm in the back. <laughs> you know what? Sometimes you got to be like a, a New Yorker in life and yell up to her, Hey, lady, shut that thing off. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Yeah, that, that's a wake-up call right there, right? Eh? Oh, man, I tell you. Well, I, I got a, a really neat, funny story about something like that, right? Yeah, sure, go ahead. I don't know if you've heard of the musician-singer John McDermott. Oh, yeah, John he, he McDermott, sings, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so Celtic music and things like that, right? So sure. anyway, we went to a show at the Key City Theater in Cranbrook here, and uh, he's a really good performer. We really enjoyed the show. And he says... Uh, uh, Sing along if you want. I'm not sitting beside you. <laughs> so that was his kind of way of saying, don't sing along. Somebody's beside you. <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. Oh, man. Uh, it's quite funny. Oh, you never know what's going to happen sometimes, eh? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that's kind of on our theme of um, contingency plans and, and planning ahead. I mean, sometimes you just got to roll with life and you just have to adjust to the the tides you know and yeah. um you might have the best laid plans but then something turns turns it around like for example if you want a sunny barbecue and it starts to rain and you've got all your charcoal briquettes or well these days you probably wouldn't use charcoal you'd probably have to use um gas propane, propane because yeah. there's too much fire out in bc right now <laughs> yeah, exactly <laughs> yeah it's flaming out there hey oh it's yeah it's uh it's pretty wild we're yeah. uh, we got a lot in our region uh in fact, uh, I'd say the visibility is very poor today, and you know it's it's we had some pretty rocking temperatures. We just about hit 41 about a week and a half ago, and it was just it was like being in a blast furnace. It was really really hot, but it was so smoky. Oh really? Wow! You, you know the, the heat was oppressive, and you throw the smoke in, so you know you were you were staying inside. You couldn't open the windows in your house for the thing for the house to cool down uh it's so hard sleeping at night and, and all those things so you know plan b is like go sleep in the basement <laughs> oh wow but today it's you know it's only like 20 22 degrees it's beautiful you know you your heat's not an issue today you could be out just pounding the bike but there's so much smoke it wouldn't be good for you so once again we're placed inside <laughs> wow so much stuff man I mean, I, I know that up in Prince George, like, we've got state of emergency throughout the province right now in terms of the number of fires. I think there's close to almost five, 600 fires in BC right now. Yeah, unbelievable. I was speaking with a gentleman last night who works for a local bulk plant here in Cranbrook, and he said, uh, we've got such a demand for fuel right now, we could have a, another truck working. And he said a big component of that is the fires. Really? Wow. Yeah. Crazy stuff. Yeah, so where you are right now, is it really smoky? Oh, it's unbelievably smoky. Like uh, in the mornings, does it look like completely overcast even though it's sunny? 
Yeah, and today, you know, you look and the sun's just a little kind of shiny ball behind a bunch of what looks to be cloud. And, you know, the last three days, we've actually had a little bit of temporary clearing off and had some blue sky and and things like that. But uh, today is really, really, um, it, it, I'd say it's the worst it's been so far this year. And last summer, it was like this for you know weeks on end. Really? It was really bad here last summer. Yeah, you couldn't do anything outside for like the better part of a month. Hmm. So what's your contingency plan, Jim? <laughs> it's not well, getting you know, um, not getting too close to where you are, right? Is it like from, you know, well, from an from an exercise perspective, mm -hmm. uh, you know, find a way to do something indoors. I'm going to use a rebounder and a treadmill, mm -hmm. and you know, continue with yoga and and other things to be able to to keep an exercise regime going. Mm. You know, it's so nice to be able to swim and bike in the summer, and I've been doing both of those those things. But you know, to be that aerobic out, or even you know. In a demand situation, climbing a really good hill, you're not you're going to hit those anaerobic energy systems within your body, and it's not a real good idea right now. So you know, plan B is do something indoors. Wow, yeah, I mean that's still good. At least you're you're um, finding ways to still stay healthy in the process. Because I mean, I think people with uh, breathing difficulties or asthma are having a hard time right now. Oh, definitely, and uh, and. Uh, like the neighboring community to us, Kimberly, mm -hmm. which is only, you know, not even a 30 minute drive, kind of north, west, more north than anything else, mm -hmm. is on an evacuation alert. So people have gotten all their, you know, essential possessions and everything ready and then at their doorway in case, you know, a fire just up the St. Mary, St. Mary's River drainage, which, a, the creek drainage is Meachin Creek, where the fire is right now, mm -hmm. and luckily it hasn't made it down to the St. Mary's Valley yet, but should that thing get a big wind change or whatever, you know, people are going to be asked to leave their homes. Oh, wow. A whole community, so, you know, they're, they're, they're going to be, they're going to have to be doing a lot of plan B and C, you know, planning right now. No, that's pretty, pretty dramatic. Yeah. brings us back to, life in general sometimes it's like like you were saying it was funny we were, t we were uh, jim and i were talking um before we started this call about um emergencies and you'd you'd witnessed well you haven't witnessed but you were there when um helping somebody who um, had an accident there and i watched uh, i was in a mall and something similar happened to me I, but i um observed this uh lady that had um fallen um and um you know, in, in a food fair, and there's a lot of help around, but it's hard to keep a sane, um, a kind of a sane persona, and also stay calm during that process. You turn around, and life changes because here, you know, one second you're having food at the food fair, and the next second this person's fallen and hurt themselves and started bleeding, and you know, <laughs> you have to switch gears from being in the happy-go-lucky mode to a uh, an assistant role or a first aid role, right? Yeah, yeah. Exactly, you know, you're, your do the right thing meter kicks in. Yeah, exactly. And it, it's weird because you don't ever know when those, like that, that just go, moves to our whole idea of a first aid training and stuff. And it's funny, you have to have done it enough, even if you've taken a course to remember what to do, that's the thing, right? Yeah, you never know when that, that um, 
knowledge base needs to kick in. So, you know, as we were talking, we, we need to, 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 to prepare for that unexpected event. Mm -hmm. We, you know, your certification only lasts a long, you need to retake that course to get your brain to return to all that knowledge that it has about these types of situations. So, you know, it's kind of a preparedness planning for something you can't really predict happening. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Woo. Heavy, heavy duty. <laughs> so, on a well, you, you, yeah, you just, you just ne never know when somebody's life or health depends on you being able to do something. Yeah. Hey, on that same note, you know, since you recently uh, celebrated a birthday, if you could scroll back time and look back at the time we were 30, what advice would you give yourself as, as a 30-year-old um, now that you're, now that you're uh, a little older than that? <laughs> uh, don't be afraid to try new things. Yeah, that's a good one. I mean, I think a lot of times we, we kind of like uh, limit ourselves and what potentially we are capable of because we just don't think we're capable of those things, you know? Yeah. You know? I, I would say, adding to that, I would say, um, on a financial realm, you know, we spend a lot of our life like doing academic work and studying and preparing for future or trades or whatever we're doing. And I think that's really important to take a moment, at least at least take 10% of the time that you're educating yourself and finding out how to um, secure your financial future too. You know, like spend some time figuring out what to do with your money once you make your money, you know? Yeah, yeah. Read the wealthy barber when you turn thirty. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Don't wait too long to to figure those things out because time time is your greatest asset. The earlier you start investing, the the faster you're going to finish. You know. So. Yeah, yeah. The, there's truth in that. Um, I, you know, this brings to mind a quote from Mitch Albom. Oh yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you know. Uh, he wrote Tuesdays with Maury and a few other books and, you know, mm. sportscaster, you know, re real dichotomy of, of uh, occupations there, you know, however you want to put it. Um, anyway, he was on Super Soul Sunday and Oprah asked him, what advice would you give young people today? Mm -hmm. he, he, and a lot of people, their friendship networks are really dear to them and they think their friendship network is maybe bigger than it really is. Right, and his, his advice was quite interesting. He said, "You're only going to have a few truly, really close friends in your life, and if you're smart, you'll marry your best friend." I thought, "Wow, that's pretty astute, uh, pretty astute advice." Wow, no, that is really true. You know, on on that same note, you know, that that's really deep, Jim. You know, on that same note, I was just talking to um, the daughter about. Um, mortality and living and what to do if both parents are gone one day kind of thing you know it's a somber topic but i think sometimes if you prepare for certain things in those worst case scenarios it can be scary at first but it can also prepare you for the future in case something like that happens right and yeah. um it was think i was thinking about how um you know it's so easy to um, to blindside yourself by just not wanting to think about the worst case scenario a lot of times and just stick your head in the sand. But then once you have a little bit of inkling of how to prepare for things, it suddenly takes away some of the fear, you know? 
Yeah, yeah and, I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah, and you know, remember I was, I think I wrote you a while back about how uh, my friend of mine, he passed away a lot earlier than expected. He was like 55. And um, I remember the last time I saw him, this fellow friend from, uh, known him for about 20 years and off and on, you know, you, it's not, he's the kind of guy you don't see every day, but you know of him and you just catch up with him maybe uh, once or twice a year kind of thing, right? Yeah. And um, always a positive guy, happy guy. You think that you're going to see him around forever. You look forward to picking up the phone because it's a familiar voice and familiar name and um, just easy to work together and all that other stuff. And then one day you find out and you'll read the obits and you find out the guy died and much too early, you know, at the age of 55, right? And when you're 25, that seems really old. When you're 45, that seems too close. When you are 55, you think, oh my God, it could have been me. <laughs> <laughs> and when you're 60, like me, oh, just a young fella. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And you know, you know, he leaves behind um, three boys and a wife. And and I started thinking, you know, you, you, you know when you were saying that thing about Mitch Album saying that in your life, you only truly have so many good friends, right? And, um, and I started reflecting and it's funny, a daughter was so getting into her exercise about preparing for the future and what to happen if um, uh, if something should bad should happen, and she was going, "Well, who who should I invite to your funeral, <laughs> <laughs> or who should I let know?" And of course, I said, "Well, you gotta let Jim know, right? <laughs> you gotta let Jim." Know. <laughs> but um, at the same rate, I started thinking, you know, of all the people we have on our contact list, you know, our phone books and everything else and the people we meet throughout our lives from from elementary school high school whatever kind of post-secondary and and life in general neighbors and friends how many of them do you really consider good friends if you can really count them on a hand right yeah i, I here's here's a a barometer or, or something i consider when it comes to who is a really close friend of yours mm. if if you need help in the middle of the night who's going to answer the call Right. So, uh, you know, when you use that barometer, I, I think you get a pretty small list. Yeah, because first there's that the barrier for you to say, okay, um, what, what are they going to think of me if I call that that late? Are they going to take the call? Are they going to actually do yeah. anything for me? Or another thing that's an easy barometer to separate your good friends from just uh, the, your superficial friends is this. You know, there's friends that you worry so much about your impression that you send to them, that you'll only want them over after you fully cleaned up the house. <laughs> <laughs> and then there's other friends that have seen you in so many bad or compromising positions that you don't care how they see your house, that you just want them to come over. Because you're hoping that they'll do the dishes for you too. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I, I've got a very close friend who's, who's actually also been a a bit of a business relationship because he did a lot of work on our house when we renovated it and uh, he his brother-in-law has a saying that goes something like this if you don't like the way my house looks you don't have to come in <laughs> <laughs> he actually puts it a different way he says get the hell out <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, it's interesting because how many people in your life can you truly be yourself with or vulnerable with right yeah, yeah. Vulnerability is the key word there, you bet. Yeah, and it's, um, you know, it's few and far between sometimes, you know? Yes, it because, is. Because, um, you know, we all have a, a persona we like to project, 
in certain instances like you know i'll tell you an example like how we like to be seen when we're at school how we like to be seen when we're at work how we like to be seen by our colleagues um friends wives everybody right and and it's sometimes that ego can be fragile because you, you know you get concerned that if they see you in a different light that they might not respect you or they may not like you and you know you get to a certain age the thing i love about maturity that i think is overlooked sometimes when you get older you start looking at the big picture and say you know who cares you know what i mean it's pretty much where i'm at <laughs> if you can get to the point where you're at the who cares stage earlier in your life you'll live a better life and not to say you don't respect other people's space or anything else i don't mean that i mean who cares what other people think of me as long as i'm being true to myself not way on my way to offend people of course but um if if you can get to a comfortable space where you can accept yourself, you'll slowly realize that other people will accept you as well. Yeah, and if they don't, they're probably not worth knowing anyway. Yeah, they're not in your your crew. You're not. Yeah. They're not in your your brood. They're not in. They're not part of your posse. <laughs> and and this kind of relates to to something else, and that's um, you know how judgment you know when mm. we meet somebody and we judge them or right or you see someone and you don't know what the circumstance is and maybe they're not in the best light and there's maybe judgment made about them there I, I try to mentally check myself that the judgment isn't mine to make right right you know it still happens because that's i think kind of how we're wired or 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 that's how society is and i i just try to think to myself oh that's not my judgment to make that i shouldn't be doing that right Mm-hmm. Maybe make a a mental apology for the thought. Right, right. Yeah, that's cool, man. I mean, you know why I enjoy. I mean, I was looking. Well, the reason why I enjoy doing this podcast with you is that you know we do it for ourselves, but we also do it for the listeners. Um, but I was scrolling back and I was looking back and I said, back in 2015 when we first started this thing, and can't believe it's already 2018. Can you believe that? It's crazy. Boy, TikTok. But I know, and um. We've had some great times in the middle um, of all this, and last time you came out and we made some food together, that was kind of fun when you came downtown here, and um, I just started thinking, like, the biggest gift from this whole process has been friendship. I mean, we already had a pretty good friendship before we started this process, but to be able to have the gift of checking in with you on such a regular basis, and, you know, this is the, the podcast is just an excuse to keep extending our friendship even further, really, right? Oh, Exactly. Yeah, you know, it all came about because we we'd have fairly uh, deep, deep conversations time. about some different topics, and you know, your idea to turn it into a podcast was one that was you know friendship developmental to take it even further. Yeah, and you know, the thing is, we were both committed to keep keep it going, although we had a bit of hiatus here in our process of doing things. But we always remember in the back of our mind that it's still something we want to do, and so. You know, that, that'll buy some faith in our listeners there. If we're away for about six months, don't worry, we're probably in Bermuda or something. <laughs> <laughs> or, or in the middle of a renovation. <laughs> yeah, or something's big happening. Yeah. You know, and we'll be back, you know. We'll be back. It's just, um, in the process of it all, it's it's been a fun process. And I, I highly encourage any good friends the, to do that. Even if it's not to publish for the world, but even for themselves, to sort of archive their own how they're thinking because I, I trust trust me if you look back at the way you're thinking now at whatever age you are 
20 years from now, you'll wonder, like, did I really say that? <laughs> well, you know, I'm just, just kind of, as the conversation flows, the, the wheels turn, and it, it's come up with another idea that I would pass on to a 30-year-old me oh, or a 30-year-old somebody. Mm-hmm. And that's that um, value time. Yeah. You don't know how much of it you have. Um, the time to do something like we talked about that photo may never come around again. So, you know, sometimes you might say, Oh, I'm not going to do that. You know, don't know, you know, it's going to take a little time. Well, but it's, it's an opportunity. So, you know, seize the day, take that, go ahead and do it. Yeah, no, I I agree with you. And, um, uh, another piece of advice I can give to 30 year olds um, I think 30 is a critical age. You know why, Jim? Because at 30, you think you have sort of life figured out. You think you do, right? You start to think, hey, well, I finished my schooling. I probably got my career just burgeoning. Um, I pretty much am starting to make some serious money now or start to make some money. And I'm, I'm an adult now and I can do whatever I want, right? But one thing I think you, um, is easily overlooked is that you always think at 30 – there's going to be another day to do something for sure, right? Or I got lots of time, you know? Or like, um, you know, I can delay this trip or something until later because, you know, when I have more money or when I have, um, when there's a better time for it. And the truth is that it never really gets better. You don't really have more time or money. Or maybe you do have a little more money later on. But the fact is that it doesn't make the experience better just because you have more money. You can have a you can have a a trip that's you know quite frugal, but have an ex- amazing experience because nobody owns the sunrise and nobody owns the sunset. So it's how you experience a trip or who you're with that makes the difference. Whether you you remember it, if you reflect back on all your most memorable times in your lives, it, it it's not about how much money you threw at something or how much money you had. It was about how you felt in that moment that made it special. Yeah, absolutely. I just kind of thinking of that transition out of your twenties, and when you're when you're in your twenties, you think time is infinite. Yeah. And when you when you hit thirty, you hit the precipice of realizing it's finite. Yeah. Right, and it's it's kind of a a learning there that you know after you cross that thirty line that that things are finite. And I'll use athletics as an example because. You know, when you're starting to become an old athlete when you're 30. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, so how, how many more, you know, rugby games can I play or, or you know, how much more good skiing am I going to have in front of me or any number of things like that, right? And, mm-hmm. and all those are sort of up to you and, and your desire to continue in certain things from an athletic perspective. Right. But um, I think also at 30, we've learned quite a bit. But what we've actually learned is how to learn how to use what we've learned. Yeah. So now we, we we've got a little bit of a toolkit, and and now we we're going out into life to to figure out how that toolkit's going to help us. Right. I I don't know that that's just kind of how I see it. I I might be right. I might be wrong. And, you know, I don't think there is really is a right or wrong. I think we spend a lot of our life yeah. trying to to um, be right, and honestly what's right works for you you know i mean i have a friend who you know chose different lifestyle choices and um chose not to get married and 
I'm sure he's probably happy about certain choices he's made. And then, um, you know, there might have been times when he was a little bit down by the fact of not finding a, a partner or a mate or whatever. But there's other freedoms that he has that, you know, he's had some pretty good experiences in other ways, like travel and things without having to really report back to anybody, just kind of experience life and seeing things that a lot of people probably never got to see. So life is a trade-off. I wouldn't say that he lived a more right life than anyone else or, or less right, but for him it worked. Um, there's probably going to be a little bit of regret regardless, no matter how way you, you twist it. But the thing is that, you know, um, when you lay down a path, you never know where it's going to go. The only thing you can do is enjoy the path as it's being laid, you know? And and that path's going to have a whole bunch of forks on it, and you're going to choose some, and you may have to go down that fork a distance and realize it's not for you and back up to where you were a little while back and move down the other fork. Yeah. I mean, I think it's interesting as we're getting older there, Jim, and we're looking back at at um, at different time periods of our lives and, and seeing where um, there's some junctures. But I don't have that many regrets because I think that there's certain times that you know, you you make the best decision you can make with the information you have at the time that you have it. And I think a lot of times we're too hard on ourselves about those choices because, of course, if you knew better, you could do better, right? But sometimes you can't accelerate the process of change. You know, I mean, you need time to marinate that, that yeah. wisdom, right? Yeah, for sure. You know, using the, the fork in the road analogy, um, you know, you take a certain fork in the road and for a little while maybe it doesn't seem like it's quite the right fork to take and you come up to another fork in the road and it takes you somewhere else that ends up being where you should be. So uh, that, that over-analysis of hindsight maybe isn't the most valuable thing to do. Yeah, I was talking to my daughter about um, stock investment and, you know, we've all been, we've all had a couple of wins but we also have been bitten a couple of times too. And um, she's kind of new to the game on that one, so... She's looking at her daily gains and losses in the day. And I told her not to focus too much on the, the daily gains and losses because they're only materialized after you sell anyways, right? And um, Exactly. If you look on a microcosm on a day-to-day -day basis of your progress, not only as a stock, but let's use our lives as a, as a stock, there's going to be days when we have our highs and lows. And you're not going to always be knocking it out of the park, hitting the home run, right? But if you measure your success in life only by your daily performance, you'll miss out the long-term performance and gains that, that could be monumental. You know, I mean, you think about the the improvements from the time that you're born um, to the time that you, you can walk and then, you know, educate yourself and then get married and all these other things. You, those little little monumental changes are, are huge. Like the emotional development required to, to even be able to coexist with another human being is pretty major. <laughs> yeah, it sure is. You know, it, using a day as a as a bit of a barometer of things too. Like often you'll head into a day where you have a lot to figure out, and mm -hmm. and you know at eleven in the morning you don't seem like you're you're anywhere near where you need to be. And at two in the afternoon maybe you're still struggling, or or you you think I'm not going to be where I need to be by the end of this day. Mm -hmm. You know, you've been working and working and working, and then, you know, by four or five at night, you know, things have kind of fallen into place. It doesn't happen every day, but, you know, it's often the case that, you know, just keep doing what you can do, and before you know it, things will be 
you know, where they need to be. And I don't know how many days I've had like that, especially in the last probably five years. You mm-hmm. know, you, you just keep doing what you have to do and, and things do fall into place. Yeah. Fall isn't maybe the right, that, that's, that's haphazard or luck mm-hmm. associated with it. But, you know, you've gotten things to where they need to be because you just, you kept at it. And a lot of times with certain types of work, it's developmental and research and, and all those things that, that you have to come up with to be able to do the actual task. And then once those things are figured out, the task isn't that hard. Yeah. It was, it yeah. was the gaining of information to do the task that where the, the true challenge lie. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, anybody who's done any kind of home improvement projects know knows that half the work is the prep, you know? Yeah. Try painting a room. It's getting all the furniture out of the room, prepping the floor, masking the tape, then stirring up the paint. But the actual painting part is actually not that hard. <laughs> exactly. You know, and, and life is like that analogy. You know, life itself isn't that hard. It's getting yourself prepped to have the skills to actually live it that make it difficult, really. <laughs> I mean, it's funny, you know, like getting the courage to ask someone to dance for the first time when you're young. It, it doesn't, it seems like a simple action. It's getting the right outfit, being in the right place. <laughs> <laughs> having yeah, the right perhaps, approach. Perhaps having a bit of serendipity in that uh, time and place as well. Yeah, you know, I mean, it's funny. You look back and you reflect, and then, you know, we were talking about friends, and you were talking about Mitch album, and then how you were mentioning that um, in our lifetimes, there's only so many real friends that we have, you know? And that, that can be a fluid thing, too, right? You know, the yeah. friends you have when you're, when you're 16 may not be the friends you have when you're 20 and... 30 and 40 and 50 and things like that, right? And it's not right, wrong, or you know, indifferent. It's just the way it is. Mm-hmm. Like, life is an ever-evolving situation. So, you know, I have one or two people that, you know, from, you know, 10 or 12 that are still close friends, but it's nowhere near, like I say, it's only one or two from that time that I consider close friends. Yeah, I mean, you know, they see you through changes and they, they may change so much themselves that there may not be the link. Um, I've had friends that I've known for 30, 40 years now and and I, I think that, yes, it's great that we still have the connection, but, you know, uh, the, the depth of the friendship is really relative to how much you put into it and whether or not the connection still exists, right? Um, yeah, couldn't agree with you more there. Yeah, and then there's other people that come into your life for a short span, and then the, suddenly they they take it up on the A list, you know. <laughs> yeah, there's no there's no real time limit to any of those things, right? You know, sometimes these things take years to develop, and sometimes it happens really quickly. Mm-hmm. Just got to stay open to that possibility, and yeah, um, you know, um, stay open minded to the whole thing. Um, it's it's funny, you know. We go through these talks, and it, you know, some of these ideas will resonate with people who've gone through certain things, and some of them might be concepts that are too early. I can imagine that there were times when I listened to concepts that people present to me that when I was younger, and I, I may not be in that mind space to accept that yet. My my mind might be too busy or unfocused, or maybe I haven't experienced it enough to relate to it yet. Right? It doesn't make the advice right or wrong. It's just whether or not the timing's right for the person receiving it. Sometimes, you know. Yeah. 
Yeah. Oh, I just want to give some advice to uh, to those people who are are nearing retirement for something they can share with their employer. Okay. And that's uh, tell your employer that you're now working on the three by ten rule. <laughs> I like that three by ten. Okay, and, how's that go? Uh, you know, the employer needs to clearly understand what the three by ten rule is, and that's you piss me off three times, I'm gone in ten minutes. <laughs> <laughs> So, you know, it, it, as you get to that, <laughs> to that line of retirement or semi-retirement or, you know, independence, whatever you want to call it, right, right. realize that that your time is so much more valuable and to, and to worry about, about all those things we have to deal with from 30 to 60, it its importance in dealing with them is waned significantly. So <laughs> don't, don't be afraid to let people know that's how you feel. <laughs> I love that, Jim. That's hilarious. Well, I'll never look at a 3 by 10 rule again the same way, you know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's hilarious. Well, I'm, you know, I'll look at that. As we near the conclusion of this summer episode 2018, my computer, after five hours, has finished restoring. <laughs> <laughs> Outstanding. Now, I don't know if it's going to work, Jim, but I did, <laughs> you know, this is a good test of the Apple Time Machine backup that I have permanently plugged into my computer because I, I woke up to a wonderful message that said your computer has had an error. It cannot restart. So after about fruitlessly trying that three, four times, I thought maybe the computer wasn't kidding because it doesn't want to restart. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the first time you think it's a fluke, right? You think, yeah. that can't be happening. I haven't done anything. And that's the most frustrating thing in life. When you don't feel like you've done anything wrong and life throws you a curveball like that, right? Oh, yeah, And it's no. just like a regular day. And it always happens on the day you want to do a podcast too, right, Jim? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I was working on a, you know, an estimate that was, you know, was over a million bucks or whatever. And I had it pretty much all figured out and, you know, a few few more details to, to get done up and for some reason Excel crashed on me and I lost all the files and I had to redo all that work you know within 48 hours and I had to tell the client that hey this just happened to me I need a little bit more time <laughs> uh, maybe a little bit more yeah <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> Yeah, just a little yeah. bit more time. <laughs> I mean, yeah. it never gets done exactly the same way, but hopefully you got the, the meat of the project done. Did you get that one done yeah. at the end then? Oh, yeah, I got it all done. And, yeah, it, was, it was pretty frustrating. But, uh, you know, we all think autosaves working just fine, and then all of a sudden I've never had Excel crash on me. Yeah, it, it was just waiting for that key moment, you know? Uh, yeah, I guess so, yeah. yeah. Just, just <laughs> test the patience. I'm at the, just so the viewers or the listeners know, I'm at the restart screen and I love it when you get to about maybe, you know, you look at the progress bar, I hit about 70%, it just sits there and you're kind of wondering, is it still doing something? <laughs> <laughs> it's that anxious moment where you're thinking, did it work after five hours or is it just sitting there to, to toy with me, you know? Well, it's okay. I just figure I'm going to roll with it and just be patient and not overthink it. You know what I mean? Yes, I do. Just like life, you can't rush that process. You just got to let it play itself out and see what happens. And if you happen to get an error or make an error yourself, you just got to roll with it and how about with the plan B? <laughs> you know, so. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I, I, one thing I'd want to pass on to 30-year-olds is like, don't take life too seriously because life is only serious as, as serious as you make it. 
And what I mean by that is not, not to not, you know, be committed and do things that are going to lead to a good future for you, but don't let you don't don't let what you do in your life suck all the fun out of it because in the end those are the moments that really matter i mean it's very easy to get caught up in in things and not enjoy the process and um, easy to say after you're a little older but if you find that out too late in your life you may not have had too many good times yeah what you do doesn't make you who you are no it's it's what it's a lot more about how you think and how you perceive what's happening to you and um you know just enjoy the process you know and you know what i i uh, i honestly think that one of the healthiest things you can do is have a good friendship with someone who does not think the same way you do yeah literally financially all those things and it it, it can open up your mind to realizing that there's more than one path there's more than one way of doing things and that you can still appreciate someone who thinks differently than you. Yeah, totally, totally. Wow, I think we've done some good stuff today, Jim. Outstanding. Well, yeah. I think we get an A on this one. Yeah, <laughs> we knocked it out of the park for our summer edition of Seize the Day with Jim Winston this time. It's 45 minutes. You think we're giving them a little bit of bonus feature there? <laughs> and at no extra charge. I know. Gosh, we're very generous this summer, aren't we? So. Oh, yes. We'll have to get reconvened at a later date, but that should keep our listeners happy for a couple of months, don't you think? I sure hope so. Yeah. Well, until next time and in between time, and I just want to thank our listeners for listening, and I want to thank my friend Jim for being there through all thick and thin, and hopefully um, next time we reconvene, we'll have some more insightful thoughts to share with everyone, eh? Sure look forward to it, Winston. All right, Jim, stay safe up there. Don't get too smoky. Okay. All right, we'll call it a day, and... Let's remember to seize the day. (laughs) Thanks, Winston. All right, take care, bud.